0: Today's guest is Nirdeen Kiswani. She's a Palestinian organizer from New York, the founder and chair of Within Our Lifetime. Instagram deleted both of our accounts. These social media companies are heavily censoring Palestinian content by Palestinians in support of Palestinian liberation, shadow banning, deleting posts, now, in this case, we've had our account deleted and then obviously restored, creating content related to Palestine. You have an uphill battle to try to get your content out there. It
1: just sends a general chilling effect on what we think we can and can't post. They're not even clear about what their guidelines are. Almost 100%. every single strike we get is for violent or dangerous organizations. A Palestinian Hisham Abu Hawash, political prisoner, gets COVID-19 and in jail oh, that means, you know, violent or dangerous organizations.
0: The problem facing Israel today is not the result of misinformation, but of a growing awareness of the reality of Israeli apartheid. We have a
2: rogue nuclear power worried about what we post on Instagram.
0: Palestine pod. hello and welcome to episode 48 of the palestine pod the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with palestine from all over the world and bring you stories commentary and interviews with the aim of supporting the palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights i'm one of your hosts lara e you might know me from instagram as at Gaza girl and i'm joined by my co-host mikey b
2: What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael are on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada if you're going to flag this episode for deletion. <laughs>
0: Yes, before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on PalestinePod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at PalestinePod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the PalestinePod. Our account has been restored after it was deleted for the last week, and you may find that you're no longer following us. We've been receiving dozens and dozens of messages from our at the Palestine pod followers telling us that they have been removed as followers from our account. So please check and make sure that you are still following us. Instagram tends to remove our followers. Let's get right into today's episode. Today's guest is Nerdine Kiswani. She's a Palestinian organizer from New York City, the founder and chair of Within Our Lifetime, a community organization revitalizing the revolutionary spirit of the Palestinians in exile in pursuit of liberation. Nerdine is a 3L at the CUNY School of Law, where she is the president of SJP. And she currently interns with the National Lawyers Guild International Committee, where she's working on efforts to revoke the US settler organizations of their tax exemption status, along with student and legal Organizations and youth groups in Palestine. Nardine, welcome to the Palestine
1: Pod. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
2: We're so honored to have you, one of the premier organizers for Palestinian human rights in the United States.
1: I mean, y'all are doing y'all are doing (laughs) that work through your podcast. Also, it's another. It's I also consider it organizing. It's another form of organizing communities and other communities about you know political education surrounding Palestine. Totally. Absolutely. And, you know, we have just met, literally.
0: (laughs) And Instagram brought us together, not because we have necessarily found each other on Instagram, but because Instagram deleted both of our accounts. And that is the subject really of today's episode, we want to get into uh, social media censorship. It's Unfortunately, still something that we are dealing with as Palestinian organizers using social media to spread education and to connect with other organizers. And this is something that we certainly saw during the May 2021 assaults on Gaza, and we are seeing renewed efforts in the last several weeks to not necessarily delete certain specific posts, but actually Get rid of our accounts altogether. So the Palestine Pod account was deleted around a week ago. Your account within our lifetime was also deleted, and we both have been in a struggle for the last week to get our accounts back. So maybe why don't you start just by telling us what what happened with within our lifetime, and you know, is your account back? What did it take to get it back? And did you get any? justification from Instagram on why it was removed.
1: It was taken down on March 8th, which is International Women's Day, less than an hour after we had put out a post celebrating Palestinian women in history. And we made a collage of, you know, all these different Palestinian women from Fatima Bernawi, who was the first female Palestinian political prisoner, Afro-Palestinian who fought for Palestine, to who who is a recent political prisoner who was freed, and of course Leila Khaled, who holds Um, such an important place in our history, who is part of the collective mindset of every Palestinian, you know, who grew up listening uh, and hearing stories about her and her courageous, you know, heroic acts. So um, we know that whenever we talk about Leila Khaled very explicitly, it gets flagged recently, but we used to be able to post about her all the time without issue. But, you know, shortly after we made this post, it was taken down and our entire Instagram was deleted. They've taken down our posts before and our page would like kind of disappear for a few minutes, maybe less than an hour. But this time it was was gone for at least four days. And
0: when the page was deleted, did you get any justification in the moment for why it was deleted? Every
1: reason they've ever given us is violent. You're like promoting violent or dangerous, harmful organizations. I don't have the exact... You know verbiage. but they had the picture that they use to say like your post has been removed was a photo of a, of a palestinian woman holding her heels in one hand and then a rock in the other and you don't even see what she's directing it towards but it just captures that like you know that spirit of resistance so that's the closest thing we've ever gotten to it we appealed it they said that the appeal we'll get a response in 24 hours we never got a response in 24 hours we never got a response at all the page was just mysteriously put back up and we don't even get the acknowledgement that they made an error or anything right like that. As, after i opened the zoom i got a bunch of notifications that our instagram is live again like as i open opened the zoom- oh really
0: yeah because they know we're about to blow this shit up and like tell everybody right that's right yeah. well you know what it doesn't matter see that's that's almost besides the point because this this actually gets to the the topic of the electronic antifada article that we're both quoted in and that that we're working on right now that is hopefully going to be up sometime this week journalist omar was like hey do you still want to be in this because i see you guys got your your account back and i said it's besides the point i didn't want to be included in this article just as a way to get my account back it's really about creating this paper trail and you know putting it out in the public record that these social media companies are heavily censoring Palestinian content and content by Palestinians in support of Palestinian liberation on the topic of, I mean, you know, anything and, and, and everything related to Palestine. And so for me, it was really important because it has been now almost a year of heavy censorship, shadow banning, deleting posts, now in this case we've had our account deleted and then obviously restored if you've been you know following that but it's really important that that we get this information out there because we dedicate so much time mm-hmm. to fighting with social media companies like the amount of time that Michael and I have devoted to challenging posts that have been deleted, to challenging or to trying to work around the shadow bands and the fact that like we have 14,000 followers on our account, but Basically, almost no one interacts with us. You know, the the amount of time that we spend into developing other social media platforms to try to increase our engagement and our reach, even though we have the followers, but we know they're not seeing our stuff as much as they should be seeing it. It feels like we're running uphill and we're constantly having like (laughs) just boulders thrown at us and we're trying to like, we're just like trying to get there. Meanwhile, like everybody else is just like walking, you know, you know casually walking and like it's like if you're Palestinian or if you're creating content related to Palestine well then you have an uphill battle with these social media companies to try to get your content out there the same way that other people get their content out there so that's why I said no keep us in the article it's really important to to keep this in there because also it's going to keep happening you know
1: exactly and you know our our pages were both taken down already so I think that makes them more susceptible to being taken down in the future it could be permanent next time who knows and it just sends a general chilling effect on what we think we can and can't post because we don't want to jeopardize our accounts right. even if we want to redact what we put on our instagram and then just direct our followers and people who, who keep up with our page to another platform where we can speak more openly and freely you know while comporting with instagram's guidelines they're not even clear about what their guidelines are almost 100%. every single strike we get is for violent or dangerous organizations. A Palestinian, Hisham Abu Hawash, political prisoner, gets COVID-19 in jail. Oh, that means, you know, violent or dangerous organizations. So it's
0: like,
1: this like racist idea and mindset that they have uh, against all Palestinians. And if it can happen to our pages and and people saw that, they're going to be much more likely to, you know, feel the need to censor themselves so they don't end up with the same fate. And, you know, like you said, instead of directing our efforts and energy um, you know, as, as much of our efforts and energy as possible to talking about what's going on in Palestine, we have to take, you know, our time out of our day, out of organizing for what, you know, directly is happening in Palestine to talk about this repression like this is the last thing, you know, I want to talk about I want 100% I talk about campaigns for political prisoners 100% it's 100%. a waste of time, it's a waste exactly. of time.
0: It's a distraction. It's a distraction from what's going on and it's a waste of time. But we have to do it. We have to engage with it because this is where people are. People are on these platforms. So we have to use them. You know, and people are always commenting on our account, like, oh, it's about time that we create our own app. Okay, cool. Go create it. Like, I'm not a fucking software developer. Everyone that makes this comment, go create an app and I will put a Palestine Pod account on your app. People who say that don't realize we are already everywhere. We have a Twitter, we have a YouTube, we have our own website. have uh, Instagram. We're on every single podcast app. It's not, it's not about creating a new app. They're all like, Oh yeah, these companies are all racist. Let's just create our own non-racist app. Okay, cool. Do it. And I'll join. I have no problem, but that's not the point. The point is these companies shouldn't be racist to begin with. And you're absolutely right. It's like anything that is related to Palestine gets flagged as being dangerous or violent or hate speech. Mm -hmm. And then when you challenge it, You know, when it comes to posts that are being deleted, and you have the opportunity to actually appeal the deletion of that post, then you get it back, and they say, "Oh, it was an error." And that's what we saw in May, and in the aftermath of May, when a lot of us were getting our posts deleted. To me, the deletion of our accounts, and you know, it's it's weird that they kind of happen around the same time. International
1: Women's Day, right? Yeah. So, 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 like, why
0: now? Why now? And. And what for? Because it's not like we received any alerts or warnings in the lead up to this. We just like one day Michael was like, hey, did you know about this? He tried to log in and he saw that we couldn't get into our account and said our account had been disabled. So my question is like, why now? And what for? And I I would like to share some of the exchanges that I had with Facebook, because I actually managed through Palestine Legal to get in contact with somebody working at Facebook who looked into this. And he provided us an explanation with why our account had been disabled. Uh, And so I'd like to read that. But first, maybe we should just start the episode. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think? Feels like we've
2: started the episode. (laughs)
1: You know, right after both our accounts get restored.
2: Crazy. Yeah, the censorship really brought us all together, huh?
1: Really, exactly. That's what Zionists do, really. Like now we we've gotten so much support.
2: They managed to organize us even more than we were already organized.
0: I mean, honestly, I don't know if I t- said this, Michael, but I think getting our account deleted was the best thing that ever happened to us.
2: <laughs>
0: because like we managed to get a lot of attention. We got some new followers. You know, we got we got this EI article that's coming out. We're doing this episode here. You know, I, we got more got- comments on our on. Our our on our post than we've had in like like literally since we started, you know. So thank yeah. you so much for giving us that visibility. Seriously. And this
1: episode's gonna blow up
0: too.
2: Oh hundred yeah. percent.
0: So our account, the Palestine Pod was deleted around the same time. And when we discovered that it was deleted, it was because Michael tried to log into the account. But interestingly, we were not given any explanation for why it was deleted. So when Michael tried to log into our account, we just received a very vague message that said, and I quote, your account has been disabled for violating our terms. Okay. But how it doesn't say, and then it goes on to say, learn how you may be able to restore your account. And it provided us with a link. So we used that link to fill out like a basic form. And eventually we got an email on our at gmail.com account. And the email directed us to uh, a unique number on a piece of paper yeah. and take a picture of ourselves holding that in order to prove our identity. So Michael did that, wrote back to them, included this very bizarre photo of himself, like looking like a prisoner, like in a bunker.
2: It was very weird. It-
0: they require you to be like a prisoner in a bunker and send the photo. Then they write back and say, we need to verify your identity further. And they include this list of documents that we can use to confirm our identity. In that list, it was basically all documents that relate to a corporation, like the articles of incorporation, a tax filing, a utility bill. And at the bottom of the list, they included domain registration. So Michael goes back and he sends proof that we have registered palestinepod.com. And he sends a screenshot of our Squarespace confirmation that we are owners of that that domain. Then they come back and send us the same email, but omitting domain registration from the list of documents that we can use to prove our identity. And yep. then they just say that you we have to provide them with articles of incorporation, tax filings, a utility bill, basically documents that relate to a corporation. Michael and I are not an LLC. We are two individuals who run a podcast. We do not, this is not like a, a profit, profitable company. We've actually invested thousands of dollars into this project. We're bleeding cash. This is not, you know, a way to get rich quick. Okay. So
2: we didn't so, get into Palestinian organization for the money. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so obviously we couldn't provide any of these documents because they don't exist or not applicable to our situation.
2: It reminds me of when I got pulled over by the police in Thailand and they were like asking me for documents they knew didn't exist. Right. Okay. They would be like, do you have an international driver's license? And it's like, no, I don't have an intergalactic birth certificate either. You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs>
1: Yeah. It seems like they get mass reports and then they just try to find a reason to get it taken down rather than like, you know, give you that reason upfront. Because we never got anything like it was the first time I ever hear about anything like this.
0: Yeah. So then we're in this situation where it's like we can't even challenge the unjustified deletion of our account because they're not willing to investigate it if we don't first confirm our identity in the way that they require which in and of itself is bizarre because we have never reported our account as being compromised there oh no that was never an issue Laura, Laura, but all Laura, of a sudden Laura. they're requiring that as a Laura. prerequisite to even having the deletion be
1: reviewed yes
2: you cut out yes. you gotta start again
1: was frozen for a bit. Hello? Oh no. Dang. I didn't hear you, but it's your video. Is
2: Not them censoring us while we're talking about censorship.
1: I feel like it always happens. This on- always happens. I'm so sorry. Okay,
0: so where did I get cut off? Okay, so let me just pick up that thought. They required us to confirm our identity, even though we never reported our account as compromised. So basically, they're setting up this hurdle to reviewing the deletion, which they themselves carried out, but we cannot satisfy those requirements. So we ended up in this bizarre, like, you know, purgatory space where we can't get our account back, we can't challenge it, because we can't provide these documents. So I reached out to Palestine Legal, and they were very helpful and very reactive, they got us in touch with somebody that works at Facebook, In the Middle East. And he was able to review the reason for our account being deleted. He provided us in writing with an explanation, which is even more bizarre than the request for company documents. Okay. And I want to read this to you guys because I think it is so important to understand that we're basically just being like, I don't know, they're just fucking with us. Like, I feel like I'm on, I I feel like I'm on a, like, you know, like we're being punked. Like, this is. They're fucking with us. Because-
2: Slowly and legally. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not quickly, no reveal.
0: <laughs> For sure. So here's what he says. This is the, the, the individual from Facebook. He says, I've received updates from the team. Please see below. And if you're facing any issues, please do not hesitate to contact me. And this is what the team has said. We have detection tools in place designed to protect users on our platform in accordance with the Instagram terms of use. These tools help identify and prevent abuse of our policies across the platform. So far, so good. Sometimes you may not be aware that the way you're engaging with Instagram is actually in violation of these policies. There are several reasons why our systems might detect suspicious behavior, but a few common examples include automating access to or scraping information from any of our products. I don't know what that means. Scraping information. What does that mean? The next thing they say, providing your login credentials to a third party application or service that is automating applications or scraping information. The same thing, but just give like, what does that mean? Who knows? I have no idea. (laughs) Using an app or service to interact with Facebook or Instagram in unauthorized ways. We didn't do that either we don't use apps to interact with Facebook or Instagram. We're just using Instagram. I don't, like, again, I don't know what it means. And the last thing they say is your account was shared or compromised and someone is taking actions on your behalf or without your knowledge. Again, we never reported our account as compromised. Our account is not compromised.
2: But I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to compromise our account a number of times.
0: (laughs) Right. Like they try to compromise it and then they tell us that, it's it because it was hey,
2: something, something's happened with your account. We're just going to protect you from yourself.
1: Exactly. It's like they're saying you did all these things, but just in case you say you didn't do them, maybe someone else did it for you. Hey,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so then the, the the email goes on and it keeps talking
0: about, about collecting information in an automated way without express permission. They say, based on your account's recent activity, our system detected behavior that violates one or more of these policies. Again, they don't ever tell us what is the specific behavior in question that violated or that would have violated these policies. They never point to it. And so I wrote back to the guy and I said, hey, I'm very confused because our account has not engaged in any of these actions. The account is run by myself and my co-host only. We've never relied on automated services to run our Instagram, nor have we ever used applications to interact with Instagram in unauthorized ways. Frankly, neither of us are tech savvy enough to even know what that means or how to do that. So can you please be more specific and let us know the exact activity that was flagged? He came back and he said, actually, I have no idea. And if you'd like, i would can arrange for a call between you and our public policy manager for Instagram to answer any of the questions on your mind. So we have accepted that offer, and we're going to be speaking with the public policy manager for Instagram to get an idea about why our account was removed and really to push back on some of these explanations, which honestly just seem so pretextual when you know that instagram and facebook were both called out by leading human rights organizations including human rights watch which published a report in october 2021 about their censorship of palestinian voices and content
2: you went full justified karen mode we're like we need to speak to the manager immediately
0: but we do like this is not you know what i mean like yeah so So the story is still developing and ongoing, but the good news is, is that in in the interim, we did manage to get our account restored. And I don't know if it was the intervention of Palestine Legal or getting in touch with this guy from Facebook slash Instagram, or if it was because I wrote a strongly worded email after their numerous requests to get documents that don't exist. But or the point is- could have
2: been the public <laughs> pressure, the campaign yeah. of everybody hashtagging, posting, tagging Instagram. So thank you to everybody who engaged in those comments.
0: And absolutely, Michael. And I do think- that that played a large part in it as well because our contact at Palestine Legal told me she's like I don't think it's anything that we did I think it's everything that you guys did including you reaching out to them you writing to them you getting people to post comment and report this as a problem and us reaching out on the back end the point being that if your account gets deleted by Instagram. There's no process in place to properly challenge that deletion and get it reviewed. Can you imagine just like the the people that work there are highly tech savvy, right? They run one of the biggest technology companies in the world. They should be able to put into place a procedure by which somebody whose account was deleted can get that properly and quickly and effectively reviewed. But literally this process, this system doesn't exist because we had to go around, we had to find an employee. We had to write an email. We had to get people to like at Instagram. I know you went through this, Nerdine. Can you talk a little bit about what you tried to do to get your account back? Because there was no transparent way to do so.
1: Yeah. I mean, exactly like you're saying, there's no actual legal recourse to be taken with these companies because they are private companies at the end of the day so they don't care about your you know free speech rights and they don't even have to honor them in the same way which it, which you know is something that we should challenge because you know even though it is a private business and there are you know many platforms it's taken up so much space to the point where it's become a part of the public sphere. You know, I would argue this is where people go to get, you know, to follow people, to get their news on Palestine. So it should be treated with that same uh, with to the same respect. That any like public university, public organization, face scrutiny for abridging people's like First Amendment rights. So, but but
0: not even legal recourse, just recourse within the app itself. Like, can you talk about what you did to try to get your account back? You had to mobilize people as well. Did you write to Facebook slash Instagram? Did you did you try to you know reach out to an employee? Did you try to raise like the, I know you launched a pretty pretty big public campaign on Instagram by trying to uh, get people involved. So can you speak about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. We have, we had to, you know, launch a rapid response campaign immediately calling out what Instagram is doing, because it felt like every moment that would go by could jeopardize our, our account being lost forever. We were also in touch with Palestine Legal. We were also in touch with many employees. I got in contact with a lot of different folks who work at facebook instagram meta sent them the screenshots which we luckily had from before of anything that was ever flagged and the reason that they gave so you know we had to be prepared we had to be documenting none of this was an afterthought you know we were always kind of worried about this thing like haunting us and in in the background that we could get lost um, at any moment so uh we can get deleted at any moment so yeah we definitely reached out to as many folks as possible. But I do think the most effective thing is a public campaign. We need to be building backup pages. We need to be getting people, you know, on different platforms. And we need to name and shame what these platforms are doing, which I think is ultimately the best thing that helped us here because you know, even if we weren't able to directly contact. Certain folks, you know, who work there, I'm sure they've seen that campaign and anybody who supports Palestine, whether they follow Palestine legal's newsletter, whether they follow a number of all the other Palestine pages that shared our campaign, they were going to see how unjust and how, you know, uh, unfair this censorship was, and we're going to fight back against it. So I'm sure we'll never get the full reason why we were deleted. And, you know, these, these corporations want to reserve the right to do things however they want to do and not be accountable to a larger community. And I'm sure, you know, they like, TikTok, for example, has a partnership with the Israeli government. These these corporations work with AIPAC. They get donations from Zionist donors and things like that. So they're always going to be like hedging this line between trying to make those people happy and also not be shamed as a company for for carrying out totally egregious censorship of Palestinians and, and Palestinian organizations.
2: Speaking of TikTok... I woke up today to a notification that our latest video was deleted, and that comes on the heels of my entire account from TikTok being deleted, and then I had to submit another appeal. It was reviewed and restored, right? So they always, they try and take you down, not necessarily to silence you forever, but just to provide that chilling effect and to impede the flow of information, right?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm worried about my personal account now, too, because I got a notification that my personal account or DNK could be deleted. And uh, they took my story down after I posted My story was a screenshot of of all of the posts that Instagram said that was taken down for. It's like, oh, your account may be removed and it lists all the posts. I just posted that on on my my personal story they took it down they said that they said that my account could be deleted because of this and i looked at you know older posts now it's like a bunch of posts from may until now at least five posts that were taken down and the more you know you accumulate the more likely it is that your account could be taken down forever and one of them was actually a post that i i posted a uh, it was a bunch of screenshots of Zionists reaching out to me in my DMs, you know, cursing me out, saying misogynistic things, you know, saying all these nasty things and and threatening me. And I would screenshot those and post those just to let people know what's going on. And then I would get it, it would be taken down from my account and I would be warned that my account may be deleted because I'm complaining about Zionists who are harassing me online. Meanwhile, the accounts of those harassing me are still up and they haven't faced any repercussions. So they allow and facilitate The harassment, the abuse, the bullying of Palestinian women, of Palestinian organizations on social media. And then when we even try to draw attention to it by just saying that it's happening, we're the ones who get threatened to be deleted. We're the ones who are censored.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty nifty system where Zionists do the violence, right? Perpetrate all of the violence. Then Palestinians just try and talk about it, but that gets their account flagged and reported and deleted for violence. Yeah, for for the violence that Zionists are responsible for, it's pretty nifty. You got to admit.
1: I mean, Inst- Instagram and Facebook are basically admitting that you know certain violence is okay. I mean, yes. even the street, they said that calling for violence against Russians is okay, right? So I'm sure maybe they're not announcing this publicly, but by the way that they're moving, calling for violence against Palestinians seems perfectly okay. And calling for self-defense of Palestinians is not okay. So I'm sure they have these these definitions in their internal codes that they're not sharing with us.
2: Yeah, we look forward to that email.
1: (laughs) I just want to be clear though, that like every time We had a
0: post removed, whether it be on the Palestine pod, which was pretty rare. It happened like once or twice or on our own individual accounts. Every single time we were able to get the post restored because every single time it was an error. Every single time Instagram said, oh, yeah, that wasn't really what we said that it was. So it's fine. It's restored. So we've never actually violated the terms that they say that we are guilty of violating but
1: our accounts are constantly being threatened and that's really the message here so we have had one post like this post about you know the political prisoner who got COVID. it's been in review for months and months now like for like two or three months and it's still in review but we've never been able to get anything restored um and even though it's clear it doesn't violate it like you know you look at the reasons and you look at the post it doesn't comport they just they don't care. They've never been transparent. They've never communicated anything with us. And we're still going to be worried about our, our account being taken down at any moment.
0: You know, what's crazy, too, is I got a message because I, I, I asked a bunch of people on Instagram if they've ever had their accounts deleted re- for, for Palestine-related stuff. And the account for Handmade Palestine was mm-hmm. deleted on January 20th. And Handmade Palestine is not even a political account. They sell handmade Palestinian products. That support local artisans they wow. have been trying since january uh 20th to get their account back which is insane to me and they reached out to me being like hey we saw you got your account back do you have any advice for us because we've been trying to contest this and we've had no luck so far and maybe part of it is because they haven't had as much of a public you know outcry for their account being deleted so it's crazy to me There, like there are so many There are probably there's probably so much more where that came from, so many more accounts that we're not even aware of. And it doesn't it's not restricted only to the political, right? Mm -hmm. Palestinian culture is flagged and removed.
2: But that's why it's so important that we all stick together and uplift each other, right? Because they are going after the accounts where maybe there's not going to be as much public pressure to bring them back. But we need to spotlight those causes because we have the attention on us,
0: Mm -hmm. right? Only other thing I have to say is that I've gotten maybe so far 30, 30, upwards of 30 uh different messages from people that said that they were no longer following the Palestine Pod, and -hmm. they definitely were following the Palestine Pod before. So I know that Instagram is removing our followers. They've done it on my own personal account, and now they're doing it on the Palestine Pod. But I got a flood of messages from people saying I had to refollow, I had to refollow. And I keep posting it and just letting the world know in my stories. Hey. This is what they're doing. And that's something I've never gotten any sort of an explanation for, nor have I ever been able to challenge it and get those followers back. And I definitely will bring this up in our conversation
1: with Facebook and yeah, Instagram. That is important. And that's something that we tend to forget about because, you know, they take such egregious actions by deleting us all together, by threatening our accounts and removing posts that, you know, we don't even have the time and energy to talk about the shadow banning, but even, you know, throughout this week, people would share screenshots of the stories they made right before and after sharing like a wool post for example and like the view count is so much higher right before you know they share something from wool and then when they share something from wool the engagement becomes much lower and it's just you know even when we were organizing protests this summer you would check the insights on a post and the shares would be like six thousand shares And the likes would be like 3000, which is, which is very, you know, disproportionate. We have almost 60,000 followers. So, you know, we did, and we have been reaching so many people before, but then there's just times where it's like, you know, it's like a faucet that they just turn off. They're like, you know, they redirect, they don't let any more engagement come to this account. And, you know, that's something that we haven't even been able to address properly because I'm sure they're never going to admit to the shadow banning, but, you know, even features like, you know click this link when you swipe up, that was taken away from our account, you know, being able to create ads that was taken from our account. So many features that come with, you know, having over 10,000 followers, or having like a a business or a creator account are just stripped from you without explanation or recourse. And that's, you know, something that people don't even, you know, think of compared to, you know, accounts being like straight up deleted, which is, of course, way more urgent. But yeah, now we're stuck in this place where these Initial problems still exist. So even though we got our account back, it doesn't necessarily feel like a victory because it's it's a confirmation that, you know, this can happen again. Um, it could be permanent next time. And, you know, all of these things haven't been addressed and they're they're only, you know, getting worse without being addressed.
2: I want to say thanks to those fucking dweebs who thought that they could silence us because they've only made me double down more so in my efforts. I feel stronger, more motivated than ever. And they've brought more eyes to us, right? We jumped from 13.2 to like 14.5 last time I checked. So, you know, shouts out to those idiots who, and what's crazy yeah. is we weren't doing the numbers that they think we were doing. Like, right. I mean, <laughs> they are so worried. We have a rogue nuclear power worried about what we post on Instagram. And it wasn't even reaching that many people, but because they tried to stamp us out, It started reaching a ton more people. We got a flood of support. So thank you so much to those people who are so insecure that they can't even deal with the existence of a Palestinian narrative on social media.
1: Well, look, ill. I don't know if you. you guys yes, know. yes, yes, they disappeared. They dissolved.
2: Well, all that means is that they're going to go back to their discords and their yes. private discussion groups because what they were doing yes. was they were announcing their moves to the public exactly. and they allowed right. for Palestinians to also download the app and just react to what they were doing. So they're exactly. just going to be more private in their efforts. They're not going to stop Hasbro manual.
1: Exactly. But it goes to show that, you know, they are being continuously exposed for their actions and they have to like stop and reassess and think of different ways to move forward. Because even with me, like I'm not uh, personally, I'm not a stranger to this. My school got 19,000 emails that were directed to them from Actville expressly calling for me to be expelled or disciplined from my university. 19,000? That's That's all? all? they're probably all bots honestly yeah.
2: they're scraping it. information using a third-party app in unauthorized yes, seriously. ways you know what i mean like
1: seriously it would you like d- click on the Actil like mission it, w- it would be like send an email to cuny to like you know get this palestinian who attacked jews out of this out of her university all fabricated all insane all lies and it would write this whole like long email with the comms director, they know who to target. They're not just going yep. for the administration, but also the public facing social media, right? Sending them a letter, you know, demanding, demanding that I get expelled. And instead, this forced my university to publish a public statement in support of me, you know, writing, writing my name out in the statement and and defending uh, Palestinian free speech, defending Palestinian activism, condemning In their own words, like the university's word, anti-Palestinianism, which is the first statement of its kind from any university from the U.S. to come out directly because I could show that all this harassment, all this abuse I was facing was coming mostly from this app that was funded by the Israeli government that works part and parcel with the Israeli military. And, you know, they really gave us that on a silver platter to show how invested they are in abusing and bullying Palestinian women, Palestinian students, and the university was basically forced to respond at that point. So like you said, I think they're going to take more like private ways to do this because it it really shows the urgency of supporting Palestine when when you see how much money is poured into literally abusing, you know, college students for for speaking about Palestine, for being Palestinian.
2: Yeah. And I actually know people who have infiltrated those private discord. Shout out gang gang. Uh, they've got spies. We got spies. And so it's like I know that they're even more virulent, even more racist, even more disgusting behind closed doors than when they put it out in public. And they do it when they put it out in public. They make it so easy for people that you just click like one or two links and all of a sudden now you've got a Public propaganda campaign that is enacted.
1: It's astroturfing. It's creating yep. manufactured outrage campaigns. Yeah, like these people are not real. Like there are no like real pillars in the Jewish community being like, oh, expel Nardine from from CUNY School of Law. It's this like imagined community that they create, and it's so transparent. They think that you know they're using the age of the internet to their advantage by. You know, creating like this narrative, but it quickly deflates the second that you look at it.
2: Yeah, it's an account whose profile pic is a poodle, you know what I mean? And you're they're like, you gotta expel Nerdine. It's like you're a dog. Why do you even care about law school? Like
0: <laughs> so Mondo Weiss was reporting about the removal of the ACT IL app. And I, I just quickly looked at the article. One of the Quotes in the article is from Michael Buchert, Vice President of Canadians for Justice and Peace in the Middle East. And I think he hit the nail on the head when he said, The app was destined to fail because the problem facing Israel today is not the result of misinformation or lies, but of a growing awareness of the reality of Israeli apartheid itself. And this is something that an app is incapable of solving. Because the entire premise of the app was that all this misinformation is being spread about Israel. And the principal complaint that we have is the way that we are being treated by this system and that is a legitimate complaint and your app can't fix that no matter what your app tries to do how many bots you put on this
1: yeah Yeah, have you seen the ads that they run for actel have y'all ever seen those where they have like these like sexy like dressed up women which is what they do to promote the idf it's really weird how they like always try to use misogyny and just like sexualizing women to whitewash and to promote Zionism and genocide. But like, yeah, it's basically like these women like telling this guy they can be his hero if he goes and, you know, defends against misinformation against Israel. But, you know, it's not it's not misinformation. Like they're the ones actually, you know, pushing, the misinformation so it's again this whole thing of of acting like you're a victim right but then actually being the one who's victimizing who's oppressing other people
2: yeah they treat they're- those ads like old burger king ads you know where they're just like you too could enjoy settler colonialism
0: but also it like plays on like the notion that like there's like a geeky guy behind a computer screen that like is going to be super excited that he can get girls now because yeah of his computer <laughs> skills like his you know
2: They're like, hey, we know you're a loser who has no (laughs) ability to talk to women, and we're just going to, like, flame the fire of that fantasy right here.
0: Right. But you can now get women. Yeah. Hey,
2: go on. couple clicks, and you're a badass.
1: Yeah. That's what they do on birthright trips. They get the hot soldiers to, like, get Americans to move there and uh, become part of the army, literally. They're like, you too can, you know... Uh, hook up with this like sexy, like Israeli Zionist, like a chil- killer of children. But, you know, you just have to join in on, on that fun yourself.
2: It's a literal investment strategy, right? Because they don't care where the money comes from. They just need bodies and money. Like that's why they're one of the last countries that's still doing trade with Russia right now. They haven't condemned the invasion and they are still allowing oligarchs to flee to their you know, settler colony and spend money there. Whereas nearly every other country is like, we don't take your money anymore. Oh, man what an episode this shit is fire yeah. dog this shit is fire
0: <laughs> what else do you want to talk about
2: we can go to lighter stuff now you know what i mean i don't know we, i feel Lighters. like we covered, i feel like we covered everything that's like heavy but we could i don't know
0: bennett advises zelinski to surrender
2: yes actually that's a great what segue the fuck? that's a great segue because Bennett was still acting as like an intermediary so, he, was supposed to
0: be, he was supposed to be the guy who was going to make peace. He yeah, was he's supposed to be the everything. moderator. And he <laughs> yeah. goes
2: in and he is like, hey, actually, you should just give up. That's his advice. He might have thought he was talking to a boss. I don't know, you know.
0: Oh, my God. Ac- <laughs> Prime Minister Naftali Bennett told Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky that he recommends Ukraine take the offer made by the Russian president to end the war, which includes many Ukrainian sacrifices. Okay. According to the official, Zelensky did not take Bennett's advice. The source claimed that the phone call was initiated by Bennett. If I were you, I would think about the lives of my people and take the offer.
1: Are they trying to keep the Ukrainian settlers? Oh, yeah. Well, some of them. 100%. Are they're, they they're trying to keep
2: them? they're trying to keep some of the Jewish ones but there are like a bunch of people who are not Jewish who are coming over and they've actually said this is not sustainable We <laughs> cannot we cannot <laughs> allow refugees who are not Jewish to live here because we need Jews basically
1: It's like oh we got we got our settlers you guys can just give up now our demographic our demographic threat has been addressed
2: <laughs> Yes exactly because the
0: Jerusalem po- post, reported that a day ago. And then Reuters comes out four hours ago and says, Ukraine trusts in Israeli mediation denies Bennett advised caving to Russia. So so this is like, again, an example of Israel said so because it was reported by the Jerusalem Post, which is an Israeli newspaper, a day ago. And now a few hours ago, Zelensky's like, no, 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 that's not what he said. He didn't say we should cave. So like, what is this? What is this like concept of like everybody... You know, like bowing down before before Israel and and trying to cover for them. Israel will admit to something and then the people who are like the victims of the like the Israeli violence will try to cover for them. Why?
2: Yeah. You remember when Dick Cheney shot a guy and then that guy apologized to Dick Cheney? Yes,
0: yes it's
1: exactly like
2: that's that. the diplomatic relations that Israel it's has so with weird. every country.
1: It's so weird. Like Biden said, if Israel didn't exist, the U.S. would have to create one.
2: Yeah. The best investment that we've ever made, he said. And it's like, I don't know. I was in Bitcoin pretty early. So
1: (laughs) it's just a giant U.S. military base at this point. And that's like that that connection, too, is like we don't we're not just fighting Israel. We're also fighting the U.S., you know, and this is. Why, you know, these these social media companies ultimately bow down to Israel too is because they are US based because there is that settler colonial solidarity between the US and Israel. Where, you know, the US can't doesn't go out and say what Israel is doing is wrong because then that would be an admission of guilt of how this country was founded to begin with.
2: Certainly. Absolutely. We're constantly drawing the connection between native people from Turtle Island and Palestine.
1: I remember the the week that all the posts about Sheikh Jarrah went missing and this was I think like right before Nakba Day, there was also a massive campaign about missing indigenous women that was being censored and shadow banned on Instagram at the same time. So we're literally talking about being killed, being kidnapped, you know, being taken, whether You know, you're indigenous Palestinian or indigenous here in in the in the Americas. And and this is being erased off of social media. It's crazy. Like these these companies aren't just, you know, anti-Palestinian, but they're literally promoting fascism. They're promoting misogyny, violence against women by not allowing us to take up space on these platforms to send our message about these things.
2: Yeah, they're disappearing people in real life and then erasing any trace of outcry online it's a full-scale effort to erase and destroy communities
1: and our history you know like we I yep. grew up on tumblr which didn't censor much back then but you know that's where I learned a lot about Leila Khaled and George Habash and you know these important Palestinian figures in our history and. Instagram basically made it clear you can't post about them at all, because your account will be deleted. So we might have a generation of young Palestinian activists who, if they don't hear about these things in their home or in other political spaces, if they're just learning about Palestine online, which is, you know, the biggest resource that everyone has to learn about Palestine, then they're not being taught about Leila Khaled or George Habash, or they might have to do like an extra layer of work or, or get into like an extra, a, a different community to be able to learn about them to begin with.
2: That's a great point.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, I think it's especially important for people in exile. You know, I was, I, I think I told Michael at some point, but I, I started to learn Palestinian folk songs as an adult. Because I never grew up with them, so I had to like go on YouTube and like type in like Palestinian folk songs, and now, you know, or Palestinian children's songs. Because I missed out on all of that growing up, so now I don't want to lose that, and I don't want you know future generations to to lose that because of me. So now I have to like learn it outside of the the natural setting of being in my environment of being in Palestine. So exactly. the internet is essential for that,
1: a hundred percent. And that's why we even created like the space. You know for wool like uh to to be able to create that revolutionary spirit and bring that back alive for palestinians in exile because growing up in a post nine eleven new york city like people didn't even say they were palestinian like i grew up with palestinians who would say they were lebanese or jordanian or whatever other arab country they could like find some relation to but you know there was that automatic association of palestinians with terrorism but we that, had nothing to do with nine eleven. <laughs> Which, which is, is insane. It's which is insane. The first terrorists, like, is what you know, the way that people in New York used to look at us. But what's funny is, I think the actual first terrorist attack that occurred in the Middle East was carried out by Zionists against the King David Hotel. A hundred
2: percent. It so was the just- early Zionist militias blowing up public buildings. And creating this false narrative that Jews are unsafe in their home countries in the Levant.
1: The JDL is a terrorist org and they still come out to protest. Like they're considered terrorists even by the United States, but they still like publicly outwardly mobilize. And when they come, the cops literally protect them. And
2: you really got to be terroristy to get designated as a terrorist by the United States, like the premier organization of terrorism in the world.
1: Exactly. Exactly. We never had anywhere to go to to learn about Palestine. Like I even went to Islamic Arabic school in Brooklyn my whole life, which is why, you know, I I can even make these connections like with people that I grew up with and stuff like that. But, you know, even at school, they would basically like they would kind of tell us the truth about Palestine, but also make it clear like we can't be like going around saying these things publicly because we could get in trouble for it. So it like reinforces this idea that you can't flaunt that you're Palestinian. You can't talk about it much. At one point, they even like banned kufiyas and you know, Palestine bracelets from the school. And this is an Islamic Arabic school. Like that's and you know, at some level, I get that people are afraid and they don't wanna be associated. With, you know, all these negative things that Muslims are associated with, but like also at what cost, you know, to Palestinians who are basically being told like our identity doesn't matter because, you know, we're going to be accused of all these bad things. Which or was- that our,
0: our, our identity is criminal. Like just to say that you're a Palestinian is like a war cry or something. We're yeah. a people, we're a culture, we have a very rich history and we've been occupied. That's our story. And that's not a war cry. That's just our reality. And if you have sympathy for people who are experiencing occupations, like Michael said, you know, on our episode last week, we now see that people are actually able to understand the notion of occupation and be sympathetic towards those that have experienced this. Well, then you can be sympathetic to everybody who's experienced that, not just people that look like you or sound like you, you know, or share a similar culture as you.
1: Exactly. It feels like there's almost been a 180 thanks to Palestinians who have so diligently spent so much of our time growing up, just trying to make these connections for ourselves, telling each other these stories, sharing the stories that our grandparents told us. And much of this had to be done online because there are no institutions or programs where this was being done. Thankfully, now there's so many amazing organizations out there like, you know, Palestinian youth movement, like Within Our Lifetime, uh, Palestinian youth movement is also in the article, I think that's that to come out that we're both in, because uh, they're also, you know, facing shadow banning. But, you know, we've had to create these spaces fighting tooth and nail to make sure that they can even exist in the first place to come together as a people and to continue to educate people about our struggle, about our culture. And that perseverance, that resiliency that we have is something that people see and admire. And I think, you know, makes them not only want to support the Palestinian cause and struggle further, but also become politicized about other struggles, you know, that, that they want to fight for. I know so many people who now fight against US imperialism, who fight for Black liberation, who fight for, you know, all of these different things, fight against capitalism, but they were inducted into this whole atmosphere to begin with through the Palestinian struggle, because it is the most like blatant representation of so many of these things. And is a very good litmus test for people's politics.
2: That's what Dr. Angela Davis said is Palestinian liberation is the litmus test for whether or not you're an activist.
1: A hundred percent, especially in places like California or New York, where people pretend to be liberal and progressive. yeah, uh, But Palestine's conveniently cut out of the conversation.
2: BLM in the bio birthright on the grid. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) These Zionists, man. Our page was taken down the day before my the New York law exam, which I need to take in addition to the bar to be able to practice law in New York. I'm in my last you know, semester, like I said, and I'm, I really, you know, I'm pretty sure they see the dates because every time I have a final, every time I have like a major exam or anything like that, some crazy thing happens, either like a barrage of attacks directly towards my university, which happens literally every semester to my Instagram page is being censored all over the place. And we know that this is a tactic they use. I mean, Ramadan is coming up on April 2nd. So just in a few weeks, and we know every Ramadan, There's a renewed attack either on, you know, Palestinians worshiping at Al-Aqsa, families in Gaza. We're constantly devastated whenever there are important events, whenever there's like a harder time. And yeah, it's just crazy that, that this all happened. Right before I took that exam, it definitely stressed me out. I don't know if it you know, affected my performance, but that's also another like cost that's, that's rarely seen or discussed. It's, it's these like, these just crazy tactics that they take to really demoralize us and make us feel like everything that we build, we build can end up being disappeared. Like there's, Wool's page has probably existed for six or seven years at this point. Like there's six or seven years of work of of dozens of people, you know, put into this page, archive posts, current posts, posts like where we research history, where we made content, like so many different kinds of it. And they can just pull that rug from under your feet, like at the hardest um, or most difficult times.
2: Yeah, they're constantly trying to erase any sort of record of Palestinian history Right? Whether it be demolishing, destroying entire towns, renaming all of the streets, defacing cemeteries, you know what I mean? They, they won't even let dead Palestinians be where they are. And there's also been concerted efforts to conceal government official documents about the Nekba, right? The documents were collected from Israel state archives and taken to locked vaults in the Ministry of Defense. Journalist Hagar Shazav from the newspaper Haaretz, discovered this concealment when she visited state archives to re-examine documents that had been revealed before and had been cited by some of Israel's most prominent historians. She was told that the documents were removed from the archives and she then tracked them down to the director of security of the defense establishment. This is an institution that is officially charged with protecting Israel's nuclear secrets, something they don't even admit to. And not with hiding facts that deal with the establishment of the settler state. Here's just a few quotes from the hidden documents. "Quote in the village of Sofsof, 52 men were bound in ropes, dangled into a pit where they were shot. In a raid on the village of Sofsof, we blew up 20 houses with everything inside, with people sleeping there. I imagine within 48 hours." I laid these villages flat. Ben Gurion determined that we must destroy them so they will not have anywhere to go back to. Jewish hostile acts were the main reason for the population's immigration. Can you imagine why they hid those documents?
0: I'm surprised they didn't just burn them. Yeah. Like, Why even keep them? Why keep them in a locked vault, you know? Just burn them and rewrite history like you like you do anyway, right?
1: It's just funny because, you know, there, there are public statements that are made that they can't hide that don't contradict this. So I'm just like, sometimes I wonder why they hide anything at all, because they're also so brazen. They're like, yeah, we're gonna stomp over human rights, we're gonna commit complete genocide against Palestinians, and you're not going to do anything about it. But this reminds me of I was speaking at an event at Brooklyn College SJP last semester. And I was talking about the Tantura massacre, you know, in which Palestinians were literally forced to get, dig their own graves before being shot into them. And there was a Zionist in the crowd. It was on Zoom, but you know, she raised her hand to speak and like basically accused me of blood libel, which is which is a common tactic. That
2: they love that word, blood libel.
1: Like what do Palestinians have to do with the protocols of elders of Zion? Like, I don't know where this, where this argument is being made, but you know, she starts saying that I'm making up this massacre. It never happened. And she's like asking me to fact check it, asking me to fur a source. And I I I don't wanna, you know, be beholden to these Zionist demands. You go fact check it. I know what I'm talking about. We know or-
0: people, we know people whose families were murdered in the Tantura massacre. Exactly. We read firsthand accounts on our podcast. We did an entire episode dedicated to the Tontura Massacre, and we read firsthand accounts that were published in a book by Professor Francis Doyle from the University of Illinois. He's a prof- he's a professor of international law, and he has interviewed
1: people whose families were murdered in the Tontura Massacre. Yeah, sure, but there's some girl on Zoom. My grandma's the one who told me, you know, about about the massacre, and she knew people, you know, from that village who witnessed this, who said this to her. But literally a few weeks after that. I think the Israeli government did admit to this massacre actually occurring, but it's crazy. Like, of course, they're not going to be admitting most of, you know, most of the things that they're doing to Palestinians in some situations they're forced to because all of the evidence is there and they just can't, you know, run away from it. But it's crazy how nobody accepts that. Nobody wants to take that as reality when Palestinians say, hey, this is what, you know, they're doing to us. This is what happened to me. Yeah, exactly. Israelis say we did it now, you know, not only not only. Are they like admitting it? But they're kind of also being praised for admitting it instead of being like, instead of being attacked for doing it, instead of being held accountable for doing it.
2: They're bragging about not allowing Palestinian spouses citizenship, right? There was that tweet where it was like Jewish and democratic state one, a state of all of its citizens, zero. And it's like, oh, so you admit to being an ethno-fascist. You're happy about that. Like, yeah. hey, so you have a big event coming up. You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, Land Day, March 30th. This is a day that historically has been commemorated by Palestinians because it marks a massacre that took place against Palestinian protesters who are protesting against increased expropriation of Palestinian land, which we know didn't just begin or end with the Nakba, but it's something that is happening to this day. So it's a yearly commemoration. Folks are going to be mobilized it for it worldwide. So I'm sure if you don't have a, a, a protest in your area, you can organize one, but you might have a protest happening in your area. We're organizing the New York City protest, which is going to be in front of the Friends of the IDF headquarters here in New York City at five o'clock. And, you know, of course, they raise money for the genocidal Zionist Israeli army. What a disgusting name to have, like Friends friends of of Child Killers, right. Friends of, of Dennis
2: Good <laughs> buddies of Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly exactly so we're going to be protesting them demanding land back and and really like the essence of our struggle is also about land about land that we've been kicked out of that we've been fighting for over 73 years to return to land that I can't step foot on as long as it's occupied because I've been banned by the occupying entity and we really want to try to get land a to the level of consciousness that you know, Nakba Day has grown to. When we started organizing Nakba Day protests, they weren't that big. they pretty small, of course. This summer, our Nakba Day protest on May 15th in Bay Ridge had almost 50,000 people at it, which is never seen anything like that before. And it took, you know, seven years of 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 consistently organizing a protest every single year to get it to that level. And we really want to make sure Land Day gets to that level of consciousness as well. We've organized for Land Day protests in the past, and we hope to build on the momentum bigger and bigger to connect it to, you know, what are the essence of our struggle hasn't changed. It's been the same thing. We've been kicked out of our land. We've been subjected to this occupying entity. And, you know, that that's never changed. And we're always going to fight it until we achieve complete and total liberation of every inch of Palestine, not just, for the west bank not just for Gaza, but also for palestinians who come from 48 who come from yafa haifa and you know all the palestinian cities that have been renamed to israeli cities
2: that's the promo right there
1: cut it cut it yeah that that was great
2: All right, Nardine, thank you so, so much for coming on the pod. We so appreciate your stories, your insight, all of your activism and work, everything you're doing.
1: Thank you both so much. It was good to meet you.
2: And folks, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Palestine Pod. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod while it still exists. You know what I mean? Shouts out censorship. Send us a email at palestinepod at gmail.com. Check out our website, www.palestinepod.com and check us out on Patreon www.patreon.com slash pod that's been another episode hope you all have a great day
1: just got the craziest news like this second right now
2: oh yeah so, what was it we're back
1: online apparently i haven't even seen it yet uh, ah <laughs> Confirm for myself Holy yeah shit.
2: get that fresh look
1: Ooh. right i swear to god like this is happening live right right now. Like I just I'm getting a bunch of signal messages.
2: Let's go.